My name is Star Robinson. I came to know Jesus the last couple years through Freedom Session. The more I pushed against him, the more he realized that uh, he is there for me. And I want to be baptized because I want to help people who are hurting come to know Jesus in their own time. My name is Alex. I came to know Jesus just by coming to church with my grandma and grandpa. I'm really excited for my grandma to see me get baptized because she has always believed in me and the reason why I want to be baptized is because it's taking my relationship with Jesus farther. My name's Cheyenne Stroman. I kind of always grew up around the church. I never really knew Jesus until recently. I had a really uh, bad mental state and I felt his peace um, after talking to somebody who was a Christian. And so I started getting into the word and um, building a relationship with him and it has been a game changer. <laughs> I'm getting baptized because I want to show my public um, proclamation of my relationship with Jesus and hopefully um, it'll help strengthen my walk as well. and starting over. And uh, man, I'm so glad that the Lord lets you and I start over. How was your week this week? Great week in America, hasn't it been? Man, wow. I said to somebody, I said, well, there's this kind of like um, pandemic going on. That's enough to set a lot of us off. And then there's the elections and the divided nation. And then, uh, you know, a little bit of darkness happened because we had this time change happen. And then the rain set in. But besides that, it's been a wonderful week in the Pacific Northwest. And what I've learned about seasons of darkness is that there's windows where life goes dark, but then you always come out on the other side. Though the sorrows may last for a night, there is joy that comes in the morning. Amen? And so uh, whatever windows we kind of go in and out of, I just know that there is, there is a light and ultimately we're going to end up in heaven. And that's where I'm really excited about. Um, so whatever this week's been like for you, I hope today, like these people getting baptized, that you have hope, uh, you have joy. Um, that you're reborn and you're living differently than the world. And it shows up in, in your life in every way. Listen, there is a moment for us, not just if you're a veteran, um, not just if you've had a recent crisis, but there's a moment for, for, the, for humans um, where we need to stop and dig deeper and start over again. And it may be that moment for some of you that you really don't like where you're at, maybe you don't even like who you are, and you know there's some big changes that need, to have to, that need to take place in your life, and you're willing to do the work to dig deep and start over again. We're in this series called Recalibrate. In fact, we're in the last uh, week, week six of this, and it is possible to walk through an entire series about looking at your life and recalibrating it, figuring out where it's gone off course, resetting, realigning, refocusing, recentering your life on what God meant for it to be, and it's possible to just kind of do nothing practical to change. It just goes right over your head. I'm praying that today is, a, is not that day for you. I'm praying today as we talk about recalibrate your legacy. It's a day that you would feel God is speaking to you 
about the changes he wants you to make in your life. So let me start with some questions here today. How about this? What kind of legacy did your parents and your grandparents leave you? Think about that for a moment. What kind of legacy do your parents or your grandparents leave you? Maybe it's really amazing. Maybe it's one of faith, one of blessing. Maybe not. What kind of legacy have you left in your life so far? However many years you've had, what kind of legacy have you left so far? How about this? What changes do you need to make to leave the legacy that you actually want to leave in this world, in others? Everyone needs to stop and consider how they are living now and how they might live differently. So what do you uh, want people to say about you at the end of your life? In fact, people say this. What do, you, what do you want people to say about you at your memorial service or your funeral? I've thought about that. I want people to say he was fun. Uh, it's not really deeply spiritual, but I'd like that to be known about me. Um, I'd like people to say I liked myself when I was around him. God used him in my life. He believed in me. And perhaps most of all, that the love of Jesus radiated out from Peter to others when we were around him. The love of Jesus radiated out from him. I'll tell you, there's some things that I don't want to hear. Uh, I don't want to have spoken at my funeral. I don't want people to say this. Man, who would have thought that his parachute wouldn't open on his first jump? I mean, that's just, nobody saw that coming. Or man, I thought that guy would never die. He's finally, you know. Or how about this? It's so sad that he lived his life for God his entire life and he turned away from his faith just last week. That's not going to happen for me. I'm determined for that. Many times we become so accustomed to the way things are that we don't realize the way things could and should be. I want to just ask you to think about maybe your home um, because what happens in our lives is we get used to the setting of our home and sometimes we don't realize that we need to do some changing in our home, right? Um, there's a dark hallway, there's, there's paint that's peeling, the, the, the bathroom is outdated or messy or the carpet needs to be replaced or, or that light that hasn't worked for, for a long time or that car that sat in the front yard that hasn't run for years. I didn't get this list from your wife, don't worry about it. It's, just not, it's not meant for anybody specifically, okay? But what happens is when you live in a situation, you just get comfortable with things the way they are. And sometimes we get comfortable with our own mess and don't realize it's a mess. And, and we get comfortable with things being broken and we don't realize that they could be fixed. Imagine if someone were to come to look at your home, you would, you would probably, especially if you wanted to sell it, you'd probably take care of those things. Reset those things. So let me ask the question. Here's the big question. Do you recognize the need for change in your life? Well, it's just kind of the way it's been. It's probably going to be okay. It's not the best, but... I think the Holy Spirit's whispering all the time about changes he wants you to make in your life. Do you recognize the need for change in your own life? Have you taken inventory of your life? You get to make changes. You're not stuck where you are today. It's never too late uh, to start over. And I love that. New beginnings are happening all around you. Amen? And so God is speaking, and I hope he's speaking to you today. The reality is this, that not everyone will leave a legacy that blesses the generation behind them or even the one that follows that. In fact, most people, honestly, it's sad to say, but many people are barely remembered after they die, even, even years or decades. Think about it. How many of you know well the story of your great-grandparents? Some of us, we don't even know the names of our great-grandparents, right? But the impact that you make on others 
the people that you interact with, hopefully you will make an impact whether they know your name. But your life, the way you live, the way you touch others will impact people far after you are gone. Listen, I want to leave a legacy of faith. Um, I know my parents did a great job of what they had. I'm doing the best that I can do, making a lot of mistakes, but growing God, I hope the next generation does even better than me. I want to leave a legacy of faith. Um, it's okay if I get to the end of my life and they don't give me a plaque. I'll take heaven instead. Amen. So I want to talk about this phrase. I want to talk about outliving your life. I think it's possible for you and I to outlive our lives, to do more than just kind of get as much as we can while we're here, but we can actually make a difference that goes on beyond our years, our days. So how to outlive your life. I want to talk quickly about four things. Here's the four things. How to outlive your life. Number one, learn from history. Learn from your history, your past, and learn from others. Number two, sacrifice deeply for a cause. If you're going to outlive your life, it's going to cost you something. Let me say it like this. If you are looking for the shortest path with the the least resistance, you're not going to leave a legacy behind you. There's sacrifice that's involved in this kind of living. Number three, influence the next generation. Is there anything better to do than to leave a legacy, than to impact the people, um, not just your family, but the next generation behind you? Number four, pour your life into others. Not into yourself, but pour yourself into others. The first one is learn from history. I was thinking about this and things I've learned from my life. I take a journal, I learn from the past, and I write it down. I like biographies. I love to watch biographies and read biographies and learn from others' uh, lives. In fact, I was thinking about my friend Pete Bowdish, one of our elders in his 90s. And I, and I thought, you know, this guy, he lives his life, and he's still making an impact for the Lord on a regular basis in his 90s. And so I sat down with Pete this week. I said, hey, would you shoot a quick video that you might speak uh, how to have legacy in your 90s to our church? This is what he uh, shared with me this week. So I'm here with my friend Pete. And Pete, thanks yeah. for being here. Yeah. So um, what we want to do is we want to take a moment today. The message title is Recalibrate Your Legacy. So I thought it'd be fun to ask you some questions about you know, how you plan to leave a legacy and what that even means to leave a legacy in your life. It means something that I can put in or encourage some other people to mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. and it goes on beyond my lifetime, in yes. their life. Mm-hmm. I pray that God will give me that moment when I can speak to somebody and I'm prompted in the Spirit that goes beyond the words what they are saying to me. Mm-hmm. It's easy to say that, good morning, how are you? And everybody says, I'm fine, you know. But sometimes the Spirit of God prompts you that there is something else going beyond the words. Mm-hmm. And you take the time to say, to dig a little deeper maybe. Yeah, so let me ask you this question. If somebody were to say, you know, I want to improve the legacy that I'm leaving to my family or to the world or the city, the church that I'm in, <coughs> what words of encouragement would you say, hey, you know, if you're gonna leave a legacy that's gonna outlive your life, yes. you know, here's what I would encourage you to do. What would you say to that? Be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. prompting, and then be willing to take risks mm-hmm. when he does. Yeah. There have been times when I could have spoken that I didn't, but mm-hmm. I knew afterwards, mm-hmm. why didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Well, I have seen Sunday mornings where you've spoken into my life or I'll see you speaking to someone else. 
And I can tell, you know, there's some Holy Spirit things happening in the lobby or in the hallway or in the coffee shop yeah. just as much as what's happening in the sanctuary. It does. Because it you're does, looking for that opportunity <coughs> and the Holy Spirit's using if you. you. And then when you, you, what it is, it doesn't have, you don't have to be old to learn that, mm -hmm. to learn, you, you take those risks sometimes, but pray, read the word, be ready. Yeah. And, and listen. Yeah, and whether it's praying with somebody on the street or pouring into somebody at church, it's all about people. It is. It's you about know? people. Some of us we're living our lives about things and tasks and jobs, and I think we get so busy with those things, Pete, that sometimes we miss the opportunity. There's somebody right in front of you that God wants you to pour His Spirit into. That's right. That's right. So very good. Yeah. You learned. <laughs> <laughs> I learned well. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Man, great guy. I love that guy. I like what he said about following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, living for the glory of God, and taking risks. You know, when the guy in his 90s tells you you should take a risk, you should probably listen. Amen? I've done some studies on that, and honestly, one of the top three answers uh, that people ask that question at the end of their life, they always say, I wish I would have taken more risks. And maybe we need to take that into account into our lives today as we recalibrate our lives Man, awesome message. I was talking with Pete. He was born in 1929. The stock market crashed. Uh, his uh, first, like, you know, few years was the Great Depression. But I told him, listen, Pete, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. So just, you know, he's ending well. Outlive your life. Learn from history. Speak into other people's lives. How many follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life? Good. Seven. That's wonderful. I hope people at home had better hands raised than that. Man, learn to hear the voice of God and follow through on that. Don't just live a normal life, get through the day. Let there be something divinely powerful. Seize those divine moments in your day. Could be in the lobby of church, could be in the grocery store, could be in your living room. Pick up that phone, but let God use you in somebody's life. Number two is this, sacrifice deeply for a cause. Right, sacrifice deeply for a cause. When you outlive your life, it's because you're impacting someone else. And you're multiplying yourself. What God has done in your life, you're using that, pouring that into someone else. I'm going to invite Pastor Dave to come up and share a story with me. When he shared this story with me, I thought it was so great. I asked him to share it uh, with all of you. The first 18 years of my life, I attended Crossroads Church in Raymond and then later served as the youth pastor there for five years. There was a lady in the church whose name is Dorothy Lunsford. Now, her name may mean not anything to you, but it means everything to me. Mm -hmm. You see, Dorothy Lunsford was my oldest daughter's second grade Sunday school teacher. She was my second grade Sunday school teacher. And she, Peter, was my mom's second grade Sunday school teacher. She taught Sunday school for 60 years. And everyone that she taught... She treated them as if they were her children. You see, her and her husband were unable to have children of their own. Dorothy shared the same birthday as me and my twin brother. And oftentimes, even though we shared the same birthday, she would send me and my brother birthday cards and even bake us a cake. Of all the years that I have known Dorothy, I've never, ever heard her speak an unkind word to anybody. That was just the kind of person that she was. 
in her classroom, she had a large, empty coffee can. And she would ask us, who do you think Jesus loves? And then Peter, at one at a time, she would have each of the people in her class go and look inside that coffee can. And inside that coffee can, at the very bottom of it, was a mirror. Through her life, she has taught hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children of Jesus' love. And I am fortunate to be one of those. And she made a huge impact on my life. Thank you, Pastor Six decades as a Sunday school teacher. You know there's some sacrifice involved with that, don't you? Spending some of her own money on prizes and food and, and baking cakes for kids and getting up early and preparing that lesson and going into that gathering and then the main gathering. Man, sacrifice deeply for a cause. You can leave a legacy. You can. I think of some other people who left a legacy. I think of C.S. Lewis. Man, the wisdom uh, of his writings. He's a theologian. One of his less known uh, quotes was this, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Um, I think about the Lilly Foundation. I was thinking about people who poured financially in uh, to others. And I, have, I've, I didn't even know who these people were. I just saw the Lilly Foundation at the bottom of videos and some ministry things. And so I looked them up. It was founded in 1937 by J.K. Lilly Sr. and his sons Eli and J.K. Jr. This was it was for promotion and the support of religious and educational or charitable purposes. He said, I, I hope we could help improve the character of the American people. That was in 1937. Whether he succeeded or not, I'm not sure, okay? <laughs> he said this, The value they placed on philanthropy was in part, large part because it was motivated by the religious faith expressed by Eli Lilly when he said this, Listen, owing everything we are to the past and present generations, each one of us must be willing to give unstinted help to, to others. Listen, just this last couple of weeks, they gave $100 million dollars. Uh, to people in inner city Indianapolis. In September, they gave $93 million to help churches with the pandemic. I mean, they just, just giving was just a part of their, hey, listen, the guy's long gone, but guess what? The legacy lives on. Isn't that incredible? I just think, wow, um, maybe God's gonna use you in a giving way like that for his kingdom. I think of Martin Luther King Jr. Talk about a legacy. I liked his quote. He said, the end of life is not to be happy, nor to achieve pleasure and avoid pain, but to do the will of God, come what may. Man, what about this? A couple people from the Bible, Moses and Jochebed. Moses, we know his story, man, like the deliverer of God's people, you know, saving the people of Israel, delivering them out of it from Egypt, and being that rescuer um, that he was called by God to do something great and difficult in his life. What about Jochebed? Some of you are wondering who that is. Is that Old Testament king or prophet? No, it's actually Moses' mom, right? Jochebed. Her story is incredible as well. See, sometimes you're called to be the deliverer, but sometimes you're called to be the deliverer's relative. And I don't know which is worse. If you have a Bible, Exodus chapter 2 is where we're going to jump in on this, uh, on really point three, influence the next generation. Let's talk about influencing the next generation. 
If you don't know the background in Exodus, the word actually means to go out from. Uh, today we use the term exit. It's the departure of the Israelites to, to leave the land of slavery. Pharaoh had decreed that the Hebrew babies must be killed if they are males. The females could live, but the males couldn't live. They were nervous because they had all of these slaves, but there were so many Israelite slaves. There were so many, they feared a revolt. And though they wanted many people to do the work for them, they were concerned about the males. And so they said, kill the males, leave the females alive. But the midwives who were helping those Israelites give birth made excuses. They have babies too fast. They're not like us. So the Israelites, uh, they pop out those kids quick, Pharaoh. They know about not our faults. In verse 22 of Exodus 1, then Pharaoh, tired of the excuses, said this. He gave the order to all of his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Now, when that's decreed, it's not a good idea to be in your mother's womb or to be coming on the scene if you're male. It's dangerous to your life. Moses, the one who was drawn out of the river, drew the people of God out of slavery. Jesus draws us out of our slavery to sin. If you haven't already, I want to encourage you to ask Jesus to draw you out of uh, the sin in your life. Lord, rescue me like Moses rescued your people. So here we go. Our text is Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it says this, About this time a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. How do you keep a newborn baby hidden? I mean, that was a, a great cost to her right there. And then it says this in verse 3, But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds, and she waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Maybe the Egyptians that come looking to find the male child will not find him if he's in a basket in the reeds in the river. Listen, Moses' mom did whatever she could to give him a chance at life. She loved him enough to save his life, to give him up that he might live. You want to outlive your life? Set the next generation up for success. I got to be honest with you. There are some days where I go, God, today is shot, so I'm just going to live for tomorrow. Today is today's just not a good day, so I'm going to do the dishes today. I'm going to mow the lawn today, or I'll have my son mow the lawn today, even better. Um, I'm going to do something today to make tomorrow better because today's a rough day. You know what's really wise? Lord, today on my life, I'm going to do the best I can. But what I really want is I'm going to set up the next generation for better success. There's wisdom in that. Because all it takes is one generation in the church to get a me-focused, lazy attitude. And it can harm the church for decades. And at times it has. So have you laid down your life for the kids and the grandkids in your life, for the kids in God's church? Parents, when you lay down your life for your kids, you're imitating Christ. And Christians, when you lay down your life for lost people, you're imitating Christ. Verses 4 and 5, the baby sister stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to the, her baby brother in the basket. And soon Pharaoh's daughter came, back, came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. 
Watch this. Here we go. Number four, point number four, pour your life into others. Watch what happens. We want to be part of something bigger than ourselves, don't we? We want to make a difference. Be a person that makes everybody feel like a somebody. Be with people at the worst moments of their life and speak words of hope in their lives. L- listen, what you do for yourself uh, in your life dies with you. What you do for yourself in this life, that just dies with you. But what you do for others, it lives on in others. I got a lot of people living on in me, and they're going to be successful. In fact, some of them have died, but they're still winning because God's still using me. I am grateful for those people, and I want to do the same thing. Pour your life into others. Let me ask you a question. Who's your favorite teacher you ever had in life? Chances are that person poured into you. They cared about you. They didn't just have a job. They wanted to impact and bless others. Here's two things I know. If you live your life for yourself, you'll die miserable. But if you pour your life into others, you'll leave a legacy. Leave a legacy. Pouring your life into others means trusting them to the Lord. No one knew that better than Jochebed. Trusting her baby to the Lord. Come on. Verse 6, it says, When the princess... When Pharaoh's daughter opened the basket, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Watch what happens here. Um, Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse that baby for you, she asked. Come on, that older sister has a lot of guts looking out for her baby brother. My two older sisters, they would have pushed me on down the river. I can tell you that right now. How much guts to approach Pharaoh's daughter with that kind of concern and compassion and say, would you like me to get someone to nurse the baby for you? Yes, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother, her mother. Can you imagine Moses' mother? Her heart is breaking and she has this boy and she realizes the only chance her son has is if she places him in the river and tries to save his life. What does she think about when she looks that baby in the eyes for her the last time? Puts him in the basket and thinks it's over. Surely she could never have known that she would outlive her life through him as he became God's chosen leader to free his people. Listen, speak words of blessing over your kids. I guarantee you when she placed that baby in the basket, she said, Moses, or or she looked at her son and she just said, I don't know what God's plan is, but I can't keep you safe any longer. You are the Lord's. Tears streaming down a mother's face. Unjust that she would have to do that. And then the world turns upside down on her. And look what happens. Verse 9. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's own mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. I mean, this is pretty cool. She gets her baby back and she gets paid to nurse her own child. How many moms would have liked that deal? Wow. Wow. What an emotional roller coaster. But it's not over yet. Three years of bonding with that child, loving that child, knowing that he was called by God. There's something special. God has a plan. Getting to raise him even though she thought he was dead. Scripture says in verse 10 later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him up out of the water. What? My miracle son 
my life-changing, legacy-living little boy, I have to take him to the wealthy, godless slave drivers and give him to the pampered princess. Does this make sense to this mother? My son's going to die all because we're slaves and he's a boy. Now my son is saved. I get to nurse my own son, I, but now I have to give him up to the Egyptians who make our lives so miserable. Listen, Jacobet did something twice that most of us would not have been able to do once. She gave up her son. She trusted that God would protect Moses and use him in a special way. Listen, if God asks you to give up something you hold dear, trust him and release it. There is something in your life that God wants you to trust him with. If it's your child, you know how terrifying that is. If it's your health, you know how terrifying that can be. Maybe it is your job, your marriage, your money. God knows the full story, and no one is more trustworthy than him. Sometimes I think you and I are going to have to pray this prayer. Lord, I don't, I don't understand, but I don't have to understand. I don't always get the privilege of understanding, but I do. I have decided to trust you with my life. Listen, if you're going to outlive your life, there's going to be a cost to it. There's going to be sacrifice involved. You're going to pour your life into others. Maybe we can learn from someone like this woman. Listen, if you really want to outlive your life, the best way I know how is to completely surrender to God's call on your life. He created you. He has a plan for you. And do absolutely everything in your power to accomplish your life's purpose. Don't let anything stop you. So what is God saying to change? Recalibrate your legacy. Think about how you're living. What does God want to see you change in your life? I'm going to ask if we could just take a few minutes and bow our heads. And let the Lord speak. Some of you, you're having to trust God for something and you don't want to. And you're looking into the eyes of someone you love and God, I want to control it. Someone you care about and you want it to go the way that you think it should. And you're going to have to trust God for the outcome. You can decide not to trust God, but it won't help. So instead, you're choosing to trust the Lord. Lord, we recognize that there are changes that we need to make in our lives. And we don't want to just live and die and not be remembered, not make an impact. That would be foolish. So, Lord, today we decide to outlive our lives, to learn from others and to learn from the past, to sacrifice deeply for the kingdom of God, for causes and for people that will outlive us. Lord, some here, God, they're, 
They're gonna have the capability, God, of doing something incredible with their talents or their money. Lord, all of us need to influence the next generation. Lord, I don't wanna enter heaven having wasted years. Lord, help us to pour our lives into others. Help us to be people who take risks and are prompted by the Holy Spirit and are living for the glory of God. Lord, help us to be like that older sister who had the courage to speak up and say what needed to be said. Help us, God, to be like Jochebed, willing, God, to trust you, to see your hand in Moses' life. And Lord, I know someone is listening and pouring her life or pouring his life into others. It's exhausting. And they're exhausted. And Lord, maybe it's because we're trying to pour in, but we're also trying to manufacture the results. Lord, I pray today that we could simply pour our lives into others and let you take care of the results. That we could pray, that we could do everything within our power, but then we could rest. Because the God who is trustworthy is the one going before us. Would you take a moment and just consider this. What is God asking you to recalibrate? Where is God asking you to recenter, realign, refocus your life? Is there a specific change he wants you to make? Lord, I'm going to trust you with this relationship that I like to control. But instead, I'll trust it to you. And if it doesn't turn out the way that I had hoped, you're God. And I'll trust you. Lord, I'm going to trust you with money. I'm going to realign my finances to honor you. Lord, I don't want to just get through the day, but I want to be used by the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life. Lord, we don't know how much of the future is left to play out, but we want to do our part. God, we want to pray. We want to live for you. We want to honor you. Respond to your promptings. And someday, Lord, we want to come home. Lord, I pray for the people in this church that the next generation would be set up for incredible success. Just that these kids would just blow us away and and people would say, is this Jacob's son? Is this, is this Joseph and Mary's son? Like, how could this happen? But that we had a church of people who understand it's not about me. It's about what God can do in and through me. And if we will lose ourselves and impact the city and the generation around us, that we might have significance and meaning and peace in our lives and if Jesus doesn't come back first in our death God thank you 
for your voice today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And I hope you're inspired today. I hope you're encouraged. God is with you and God is for you. And God is quick to forgive. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful week in the Lord. Bless someone, encourage someone. If you're watching online, find someone and go bless them as if you were in a live gathering, all right? Have a great week in the Lord.